Good evening, guys. Uh, can I just say it, it is really good to see all you guys. I truly enjoy coming, and I feel like one of you when I'm here now, and uh, it's good. It's really good. So uh, looking forward to tonight. From what Mike just said, man, that just gave me a big head, and I'm just, uh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty important. Uh, so, uh, hey, I'd appreciate your prayers. Uh, some of you have been asking tonight, uh, hey, when are you guys starting to travel again? Most of you know I travel. Uh, Matt Young and I, who's here tonight, uh, we travel overseas, and we uh, uh, train uh, overseas pastors and church leaders that have very little Bible training at all. And so I'm leaving to go to the Dominican Republic for the first time, May 6th, for about uh, five, six days. Uh, I was asked to do a marriage conference there. My wife is not going with me. And Matt Young says, I'll go with you. And I go, that's weird. And so uh, for a marriage conference. And so uh, then I'm staying over and I'm uh, talking with some of the uh, pastors about future training there. Home for a week and then Matt and I are headed to Guatemala again. Uh, to be able to train uh, probably about 110 pastors. And so uh, we are excited about it. So my wife's excited about me leaving too. And so uh, I've been home long enough, but um, appreciate you guys. What I appreciate uh, is that we have an opportunity. Sometimes in our life, uh, we uh, just kind of gloss over the opportunities that God gives us thinking that they will always be. And uh, I think we've seen over the last year, uh, if we've taken this for granted, uh, hopefully we won't take it for granted again. That there is something uh, real tender about being able to be together and to be able to sit around a table, share what God is doing in our life, uh, wear a Maranatha sweatshirt, and uh, it's, it's just really good. So let me take a minute, pray for us, and then we'll, we'll launch in. Lord, you know where our hearts are tonight. You know how we have been living. And Lord, we certainly uh, did not come tonight to be beat up. And as often as we've said it, you didn't come here to be beat up, you came here to be built up. And yet, Lord, there are challenges that you set before us, and there are things that you want us to know and understand from your word to take us from where we are today to a better place tomorrow. And so we just ask that tonight would be a night where you would just truly hold not just our attention, but you would capture our heart, and that the things that are said we would take to heart, and that we would find ourselves as we're driving home uh, thinking, you know what, it was so good to be together, and I was so challenged by the Word and challenged by uh, just the Spirit of God working in our life. And so uh, thank you for these guys. And uh, if there's a guy here that's new tonight, I pray that you would just uh, work on his heart and help him to see that in many ways we are family here. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know what goes on in your mind or what stories play out in your mind when you hear the word regret. As a matter of fact, just say that word with me, regret. Say it again, regret. Uh, for, for me, uh, it's a commercial. And now the commercial's been out probably around two years. Maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. It's a commercial of a girl who is eating a Milky Way candy bar. And she is uh, uh, giving a tattoo to this big, burly biker guy. And she is so focused on the Milky Way candy bar that she uh, puts on his arm no regrets instead of no regrets. Um, it's a great commercial. The point being that we can become so focused sometimes on other things that it flows into other areas of our life. And sometimes that's good, but most of the time it's not. And as you look around tonight, uh, every single one of us have this in common. We are making decisions every day. 
you will make hundreds if not thousands of decisions throughout your lifetime. Some of them are minor. Some of them you probably don't even remember, and some of them are major in your life. But a decision is a decision. And guys, when you make a decision, that decision is set to motion. That decision goes down the pipeline of life, and that decision that you make has the potential to bless and encourage and inspire and influence your life and the life of those around you. Those are great decisions. But I think all of us would admit there are times in our life where we made decisions, and that decision had the potential to curse and destroy, even shatter our lives as well as the lives around us. Um, You show me your decisions, and I'll show you your future. Um, You all have a, a handout tonight, and on that handout it says, Our lives and decisions are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think and the decisions we make shape who we are. This appeared so true to me as my wife and I were in Florida, oh, toward the end of February, first part of March. I'm laying in bed, flipping through the channels. It's, it's, it's Florida. And uh, I, I see an ESPN interview with Tom Brady right after they win the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady is recalling the celebration that they have in Tampa Bay. Maybe you know what I'm going to share with you. Uh, they are in this uh, channel, and there are boats in front of Tom Brady. He's on a boat. There's boats behind him. People are on all sides. They're screaming. They're yelling. They're Super Bowl champions. They're having a great time. Tom Brady is three sheets to the wind, man. He has about, he's had about ten too many. And he's holding the Lombardi Trophy. And uh, someone on the boat behind him says, throw us the Lombardi trophy. And the, the, the distance is from me to Eli is the next boat. And Tom Brady makes a decision. Go ahead and play it. This trophy, we'll see here. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> they got it. That was the most important catch of the season right there. (laughs) If he would have dropped that, that trophy would have gone down at least 30 feet in that canal. The interviewer of ESPN was looking at Tom Brady after they showed that, and he said, Tom, what were you thinking? And he goes, yeah, that's just it. I wasn't thinking. And you're thinking, really? And his eight-year-old daughter had more common sense than anyone there that day because, I don't know if you could hear it, but at the last second she goes, Dad, don't! And he throws the Lombardi trophy. Having watched that, it caused me to ask myself, at my age, at your age, what are my decisions really doing? The people that are changed by my decisions, how I'm changed. And I begin to start taking inventory of my life in regards to the decisions that I have made and still am making in life. And so I started to jot down what I would call take to heart lessons tonight that I just want to pass on to you because this is a series that is called what, men? 
Okay, about three of you know the series name, okay? A work in progress. We're all a work in progress in some way or another, and we're definitely a work in progress when it comes to our decisions, okay? And so I want to give you some of those take to heart uh, this, this evening, and uh, you can run with it. Take to heart number one. Good questions lead to better decisions, and better decisions lead to fewer regrets. Good questions lead to better decisions, and better decisions lead to fewer regrets. Guys, on the back end of every poor or foolish decision is the guy that says this either out loud or to himself, I should have asked more questions. Raise a hand, how many of you have said that sometime or another? I should have asked more questions regarding the business deal. I should have asked more questions regarding the timeshare I'm now in forever. I should have asked the question, more questions in regards to the relationship. But when we ask good questions, it keeps us from making fewer regrets. Now, Jesus was a, a prime individual that asked a lot of questions. And he asked a lot of questions not because he didn't know the answer. He's God. He's sovereign. He knows. But he asked those questions to probe into our thinking that we would think rationally and wisely and spiritually. What is the ultimate thing that we gain when we ask questions? Someone tell me. Someone said wisdom. Someone said knowledge. What else? Perspective. Uh, uh, wisdom, experience, skill. Um, questions are like guardrails that keep us from making those over-the-cliff decisions. Think about your life. And if I would have asked more questions, how would things be different today? And maybe you're filtering that right now through a business situation, a relationship situation, a financial situation. But we live in a culture right now where people don't ask questions. Uh, they just jump in. And they just make a decision based on what, is, what they think is right in their own eyes. I just want to encourage you tonight, if you walk out of here and you don't think of anything else, before you make your next decision, ask some questions. It will clarify things just so much more. Here's the second one thing to take to heart. Our decisions are enforced by our disciplines or lack thereof. Our decisions are enforced by our disciplines or lack thereof. You show me someone who's disciplined, and I will show you someone who is making better decisions than the person that is not disciplined in their life. All of us would say, you know what, because of lack of discipline in my life, I didn't make good, good choices or decisions. And so I am a work in progress. Developing the discipline to hit the pause button and kind of push ourselves away from the table of decision and ask ourselves what I would think is one of the ultimate questions that will save us so that we can have peace and joy and purpose is what we call the integrity question. And the integrity question is this. Am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself? I'll give $20 to the first person without using your phone or any help who can tell me who said honesty is the best policy? Benjamin Franklin. That is wrong. Okay. All right. Someone else. What? 
No. Biden. Biden. No. No. He wouldn't remember it anyway. No, I thought it was Ben Franklin or, or uh, Roosevelt or Lincoln. It was a guy way back in 1599 that wrote this proverb. His name was Sir Edwin Sandy. And of all things, he was a politician. I mean, talk about an oxymoron. Honesty is the best policy, and I'm a politician. And so asking the integrity question, am I being honest with myself? And the reason why honesty is the best policy is because without honesty, we live deceptive lives and deceptive lies to the point of where nobody will rely upon us anymore because our character, our integrity is in question. I love Proverbs 10.9. You'll see it up here. Whoever walks in integrity walks what? Securely. Guys, there is nothing better than when we're making decisions that is honoring the Lord. It's bringing harmony in our relationships. We feel like we're walking securely. When you do something with integrity and you make a decision based on what is right, you know it. You know it. But then it says, but the one who makes his ways crooked will be found out. So our decisions are enforced by our disciplines or lack thereof. Let me give you the third take to heart. Correct decisions are often fogged or blurred by our self-oriented emotions or fleshly desires. How many of you have made a decision based on emotion? I was mad, so I did it. Um, I, I got filled with lust, so I made the decision. I was fearful. So I didn't go. Uh, sometimes our emotions and our fleshy desires have a tendency to overrule what we know to be true. How many of you guys have ever gone grocery shopping when you're hungry? And you're walking through and you're like, man, I am starving. And there are things you'll put in your grocery cart that you would never put in there if you weren't hungry. And now you're at the checkout line and you've got a cart full of Pop-Tarts, pop potato chips, and bean dip, you know? And you're thinking, you allowed emotion, you allowed the desires to take over and make the decision for you. Behind every regret is that person that says, what was I thinking? And there's a great verse in 2 Thessalonians 3.13 that says, brothers, as for you, do not grow weary in doing good. Man, if there's a verse that you can memorize, some of you are like, I don't memorize, try this one. It's a short one. Brothers, never grow weary in doing what's good. If we had that as the mantra of our life, it would overflow into everything we did. And then we find ourselves, and you've heard me say this before, think right, do right, feel right. Agree? Think wrong, do wrong, feel lousy. And I think all of us here would say there's been times where I've think right, did right, and felt right. Did right, think right, do right, feel right. I think a lot of us would say I have felt lousy as well. 
This is the crux of why there are so many people that are giving in to addictions today, whether it's gambling, whether it's drinking, whether it's pornography, whatever it might be, because we are being ruled by our emotions and our fleshly desires instead of what we know to be right. Think for a moment how many people can you think of in Scripture that made a decision based on emotion. Now, some of you probably automatically thought of David and Bathsheba, someone who found themselves drawn by their fleshly desires. And because of that, there was fallout. Abraham and Sarah, there is a famine in the land, and Abraham and Sarah decide to go to Egypt. And just as they're getting into Egypt, they're going to meet the Pharaoh. And he says to Sarah, Sarah, you're my wife. You're absolutely beautiful. But when they ask about you, tell them you're my sister. His decision is based out of fear, thinking if I tell them they're my wife, they're going to put me to death. And so he is making a decision based out of emotion. Jonah says, I am not going to go to Nineveh because God will not rescue that city. He will not rescue the Assyrians. So he goes the opposite direction, and he makes a decision based on doubt. Think about for a second, it's ringing with truth, I know. Um, I know. It's Nancy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, think about for a second, Moses. Moses sees a Hebrew, an Egyptian, fighting, and what does he do? He becomes angry himself, and he kills the Egyptian. And now all of a sudden there are two Hebrews that are fighting, and they look at Moses and say, are you going to do the same thing to us? But he made a decision based on anger. Okay. You see Isaac, a hunter, coming off the field, and he is so hungry it's not even funny. And he is willing to sell his birthright to Jacob for a small bowl of stew. He allowed his, what was to do, he allowed what was right to be fogged by his emotions and his fleshly desires. Guys, think for a second, over your lifetime, how maybe you were drawn in by emotion instead of what you knew to be true. Brothers, never grow weary in doing what is right. Take to heart number four. The easiest person to deceive is the one looking back at you in the mirror. The easiest person to deceive is the one looking back at you in the mirror. How many of you have looked in the mirror and you've said, you know what, Craig? It's the last time. I'm not doing that again. I mean, you've done that, haven't you? Didn't mean to point at you. Okay, okay, but you have. We've all said, this is it. I'm not doing it again. I'm finished. I'm done. That's the last time. And how many times have we looked at ourselves in the mirror and we have deceived ourselves time and time and time again? And we've got to come back to the integrity question. That integrity question dealing with truth. Our, uh, the integrity question of am I being honest with myself? Uh, Andy Stanley says this. I'm not a huge fan of Andy Stanley, but I, I think this is good. He says, if you have to talk yourself into something, if you have to sell yourself on something, if you have to justify your actions in a decision, you are not being truthful to yourself. Nothing changes until we are brutally honest with the person in the mirror. Tonight, if we're a work in progress, how many times will we look in the mirror and lie to ourselves? Because 
when we fail in being honest with ourselves, eventually we'll fail in being honest with others. You can't make the best decisions for your business, your family, your future, your church, until you're honest with yourself. And we, re- we rarely have to sell ourselves on what we know to be true. When you know the truth of something, it's just second nature. You know it's the right thing to do. So the person that is deceived the most is the one looking back at us in the mirror. Take to heart number five. The decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. The decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. Your decisions will have a ripple effect in your past, your present, and your future. Some of you may recognize the young man that's up here. His name is Johanny Capessi. Johanny Capessi was standing right here a number of years ago. He is from Malawi, Africa. How many of you remember Johanny? Great man of, of God. The first time I ever went to Malawi, Africa, I did not want to go. And I went, and I, well, after I got done, I said, Lord, if you allow me to go back one more time, I'd be forever grateful. And I've been back there four times. I remember standing in the airport in Malawi, Africa, if you can even call it an airport. And just before I'm ready to get on a plane, Johanny Capesi comes up to me, puts his hand on my shoulder, looks me right in the eyes, and he says, Kredge, because he couldn't say Craig. So he called me Kredge. He said, Kredge. The decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. And has anybody ever said something to you that just drove into your heart? And I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. Because it's true. The decisions that we're making today, we have short-term memory. We, we fail to think of the, the effects it's going to have down the road. The decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 9. Do not be deceived. In other words, don't think that you can get away with it. God will not be mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also what? Reap. And may I say this, many of us will reap far more than what we sow. Okay? For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We will reap what we sow. And for some of us, that's okay. When I love my wife, I love my kids, I invest in them, I'm going to reap something from that. I'm going to reap something from that. But if I'm not loving my wife, and I'm doing what I want to do, and I be, how many of you in here are selfish? Okay, eight of you. Okay, we're all selfish in here. We're all selfish. And so we will reap what we sow, some of it to corruption and some of it to eternal life. Um, here's Andy Stanley again. He says, we must develop the uncomfortable habit of telling ourselves the uncomfortable truth regarding why we are choosing to do what we are choosing to do. We cannot lead people in a healthy way if we are lying to ourselves. Why am I doing this? Why am I avoiding them? Why am I looking at them? Why do I continue to justify my actions? Why did I eat that? Really? 
Why did I drink that? Really? Why did I go there, move in, move out, purchase this, invest in this? Telling yourself the truth does something about there's a sense where God starts to take that work in progress and we begin to see progress. Um, your decisions don't just tell a story. They tell your story. And won't it be great if we can tell that story each chapter and we have a good conscience about it? But are there stories in that book that you would like to avoid, that you wish weren't there? And you're almost embarrassed when that chapter opens up. The decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. I was just telling someone the other day, I said, it seems like the enemy right now is so much wanting to hit pastors and church leaders. They're somewhere between 50 and 65. In the prime time of our life, the enemy is hitting hard. And we're seeing guys having to leave the ministry because of immorality, because of foolish and dumb things, when it should be an incredible time of writing our story and making the right decisions. Let me give you one more take to heart. Private decisions almost always have public ramifications. Private decisions almost always have public ramifications. Would it be okay with you if the decisions that you made in private went public? I'm going to say that again. Would it be okay with you if the decisions that you made in private became public? I was with a friend not too long ago, and we had breakfast, and I said the name of somebody. Ravi Zacharias. Now, some of you in here may not even know who Ravi Zacharias is, but Ravi Zacharias was known as one of the greatest a theologian, apologetic individual of our time. And everyone kind of did this, you know, exalted him. And Ravi Zacharias passes away, and the news comes out about Ravi Zacharias and a lot of immorality that was going on in his life. And now, at one time, you would say Ravi Zacharias, and people would go, yeah, Ravi, he's my man. And now when you say the word Ravi Zacharias, people do this. He wrote a story, didn't he? And some of those chapters are ugly. Private decisions almost always have public ramifications. A lie in private eventually becomes a reality in public. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take a little bit of time at your table. I'd like you to just kind of work through this. Uh, just really three questions. Uh, yeah. Which one of the t take to home, hit closest to home, share a decision you didn't have to justify or sell yourself on, and share a decision you talked yourself into and wish you could unmake? And let's take some time tonight and just be a little vulnerable, at least a little bit tonight, with the guys at your table, and just to share your heart as well uh, with what we've just covered. And then we'll come back in about 15 minutes. All right, guys, well, hopefully you had uh, a little bit of time to talk through which take to heart uh, kind of hit home for you tonight. Um, the question is, where, how can I immediately start to make better decisions and fewer regrets? Because if you look around this room, we, again, we're making decisions all the time, 
And hopefully you're, you're sitting here saying, yeah, I've made some decisions that I'd like to unmake. But how can I immediately start making better decisions and fewer regrets? And there's two ways. One is a no-brainer. One is to follow the Lord, to give your life to the Lord. Um, and, and I know a lot of you have done that. Um, it is one thing to give your life to the Lord. It is another thing to be living consistently. That's the chore. That's the tough part. We can give our life to the Lord, but then walking in that sanctified life. But if you haven't given your life to the Lord, guys, you will continue to make some very poor decisions that will have lasting regrets. And you will have a book filled with chapters that you will weep over. And even as a believer in Christ, we make some dumb decisions, amen? We still make some dumb decisions that, man, there's some places in the chapters of our story that we have laughed harder and we've enjoyed and we love telling others about it because it is hit home. But coming to know Christ as our Savior. We were sitting back there and Mike Spencer said, the first one, share decision you didn't have to justify or sell yourself on. He said, it was coming to know the Lord. I never have to justify that or sell myself on it. And that is so true. I was saved at the age of 10. I do not regret that at all. And I, I, I gave my life to the Lord and I strive to walk with him each and every day. So that's the first one, okay? The second one is to saturate yourself in the word of God. When you're in God's word, you begin to think like God. You begin to think like his word. Your, your heart changes, your mind changes, your attitude changes, and you become truth-oriented rather than self-oriented. You, you are rooted in truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. And we don't have enough people that are truth-tellers and truth-livers these days. And so... Um, some of you have heard this, but it's well worth sharing again. How many of you have uh, ever done the fall hiking spree, the Summit County fall hiking spree? Just raise your hand. Okay, a number of you. It's really great. Uh, you're able to do about eight hikes, and you get a little stick and like a little metal thing that you can put on the stick. And so my wife and I for years have, have said, hey, we're going to do this. And we are, we are going to do this. We're going to get out there in September, and we're going to do the fall hiking spree. And we do about two of them, and then we're like, forget it. Let's just go to Swenson's, you know. And, uh, and so we ended up going to Swenson's about eight times and going, hiking about twice. And so this year we were bonded, determined. We went with another couple, and every, about every weekend during that time from September right up to uh, Thanksgiving, we were doing trail, a trail, and then we'd go out to eat someplace, a local restaurant. And uh, just we, we did eight of the trails, and we were done. And we got our little, you know, staff and a little metal thing saying, hey, you're all, you did it. And the next weekend, it was gorgeous. It was just one of these fall days that you're like, man, it is so nice. And my wife said, we should go on another hike. And I said, um, yeah. Let's, I said, but I don't want to go on a Summit County hike. I said, I've done those so many times. I said, let's go someplace we've never gone before. And Roger Small, uh, he, he goes to his church, he had recommended I go to a place called um, Brandywine Falls. How many of you have been to Brandywine Falls? I've never been to Brandywine Falls before. We get directions, we pull up, and the parking lot is just packed with people. Everyone's thinking the same thing. And so we're trying to find a parking space, and we come around the entrance, and someone was backing out, and we get right in, and I'm like, yes, this is our day. There's a sign that says Brandywine Falls. It points that way. We start walking down the path, and I look down, and I see a piece of paper. I don't look at it. 
I just roll it up. I put it in my hand, thinking there will be a trash can or someplace along the way. We go to the Brandywine Falls. It was great. There were other people there. We come out of Brandywine Falls, and there is a sign that says, Stadford Trail, 1.5 miles. I said to my wife, I said, we can do this. We're not that old. We can do 1.5 miles. And so we walked, and we walked, and we walked until we ran out of trail. And we're looking around, and there is no one around at all, and we are lost. We are, it, it is a Hunger Games situation in the woods. And I'm like, honey, I have no idea where we're at. We get out on a main road. There is no trail anymore. We're out on a main road. I look at my cell phone and my GPS says 4.7 miles to the Brandywine Falls. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And the, the road starts to make an incline. We're sweating and there's not one car that's going by. And finally, all of a sudden, I can hear him coming. And he's on a motorcycle. And you can always tell the sound of a Harley. And here comes this big guy on a Harley. He's got one of those big saddle seats. And my wife's doing this. And I'm like, oh, no, no, this is not good. <laughs> that guy stops and she says, hey, we are lost. She, she said, we, we need to get back to Brandywine Falls. Do you know where Brandywine Falls? He says, oh, man, yeah, you guys are lost. I'm like, yeah, I know that. He said, he said, he said I know how to go by way of the road, but I don't know by way of the trail. And my wife thinks she comes up with a brilliant idea. She said, is there any way that my husband can get on your bike and you can take him back to our Honda CRV and then he can come pick me up and all I can picture is this, okay? It's all I can picture and I'm like, I'm not doing it. And the guy looks at me and he goes, no, no, I, I just got a saddle seat. That, that's not gonna work. And I'm like, there is a God. There is a God. Thank you, thank you. He goes, you know, I'm not sure, he said, but I think there is kind of an old horse trail that goes that way, and that might take you back into the vicinity of Brandywine Falls. And I'm like, okay, and so we get on what we think is a horse trail, and we are walking and walking and walking, and I'm thinking, there's nobody around. And I'm like, honey, and, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to be gracious, and I'm like, honey, I don't know where we're at. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see someone, and it's a person. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. I don't care if they're a demon right now. I don't care who they are. It's a person, you know. So I walk over, and the trail is right there. And my wife and I are so glad. And we're heading back to Brandywine Falls. And we're like, oh, man, we were so lost, blah, blah, blah. And we come around the corner. I can see the parking lot. I can see my Honda CRV, And I'm like, man, we made it. And all this time, I've been holding this in my hand. And I'm ready to throw it away. And before I throw it away, it's a map of the entire area. <laughs> entire area. And as funny as that is to you, <laughs> guys, we have the word of God in front of us every single day. It is a map for our life to help us in making better decisions and fewer regrets. And yet we get lost. We choose not to open it. And because of that, 
some of us have lost our way. And one of the ways that we can make better decisions and fewer regrets is to be in his word. And as we're in his word, he will be working in our life and we will push ourselves back from that decision table and say, I need to be truthful right now. I don't want to sell myself on this. I need to be truthful. I want to make better decisions and fewer regrets. Let me leave you tonight real quick with this. Uh, you, you know this verse. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything that's excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Isn't that what we want, guys, when we're a work in progress? That when we make a decision, there's a peace there. We don't have to second-guess ourselves. The decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. Let's make good decisions and fewer regrets. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for these guys, and I pray tonight that what Paul has just said, whatever is pure and lovely, praiseworthy, commendable, may we think on these things and things that you have seen and heard and seen in me. Put these things into practice. Forgive us, Lord, for boneheaded decisions that we have made where now we have a chapter in our life that we wish we could erase. But we are grateful for your grace. We are grateful for your forgiveness. And so we learn and we move on and we make progress in our life because you're doing the work in our life. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Neither height nor depth nor length, nor width. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. May we as men who call you by name and are known by you, may we make better decisions so there will be fewer regrets. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.